The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. It was a Christian woman who had a job as the quality control inspector at a local pharmaceutical. She was the sole breadwinner for her and her husband. She was putting her husband through seminary. And I know that. Thank you, darling. There was a mistaken procedure that had happened one day. And an entire order of syringes was contaminated. And she went immediately and reported this to her supervisor. And her supervisor immediately calculated the cost. And he said, we're not putting another order in. You need to sign the inspection release. And those syringes need to go out. She refused. The next day, when the syringes were still there, the head honcho appeared. And he said, it's Friday. You have the weekend to think about it. But come Monday morning, if those syringes are not en route, don't bother coming to work on Tuesday or ever again. And so instantly, everything was in jeopardy because she was the sole provider for her family. And, and the bills were coming, and the rent was coming. And, and as they looked out into the future, all of those dreams and that future ministry seemed dashed, all on the decision that was to be made in two days' time. And so here it is. For this woman and her husband, all of their instruction in God's word, their doctrinal instruction that began all the way in Sunday school and then moved all the way through confirmation instruction and then even into adult Bible study and in their case even into a Christian college and a Christian seminary, it all boiled down to this one decision. Would they contaminate themselves or would they stand firm on the truth of what they had come to know? Was their conscience that had been formed by the Holy Spirit and informed by the Word of God worth the cost? It is a dilemma that is not just particular to this Christian couple, but of course it's one that is faced by Christians and believers in every epoch of time, even by you and by me in our own ways. And when you think about the decision, when you think about the dilemma and the predicament, it, it really is this. What do you treasure most? What is in your life the one indispensable, the one thing that you love more than anything, that you simply cannot live without. Dear brothers and sisters, dear family, dear friends, on this Sunday, at this moment, we are going to answer that question definitively, definitively in the hearts of us all. Please open up your worship folders again 
and listen to the gospel appointed for this Reformation Sunday. And may our hearts fall in love with the word that has been delivered to us. Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how already from a very early age, we can see um, an instinct that is embedded in the very fiber of us. We love big, beautiful, shiny things, right? Ladies, just those rings on the fingers. Big, beautiful, shiny things. And the case in point are these disciples on the day that Jesus is speaking these words. It's busy Tuesday of Holy Week, the week when Jesus will be going to the cross. And he has just finished preaching all day long. And it's, it's evening time, and they're walking back to their host family about two kilometers east of the city of Jerusalem in a town called Bethany. And they're walking up the slopes of the Mount of Olives that is just east of Jerusalem. And at, and at just the precise moment when that sun is resting big and orange on the back of the horizon, one of the disciples, and we don't know who, looks back at just that instant, and the sun's rays catch that temple at just the precise moment when the thing is just glowing in all of its sublime glory. And he's taken, he's enamored, he's captivated by what he sees. And, and we understand why, right? Because what he's staring at is this 35-acre, like just monumental structure atop this hill. And he's looking at these foundation stones that are as big as two school buses put together and all of the massive, beautiful arches and the gates, and then the crown jewel of it all is this 200-foot-high church that is plated in gold, and the sun's ray hits it at just that moment, and it is shiny and beautiful and so divine and his heart grabs a hold of it, and he treasures it because he knows what this church symbolizes. He knows what it symbolizes, the solidarity of the religion of Israel and God's blessing upon his people. And at this moment, people, he just can't contain himself. He can't contain himself, and he just explodes. Look, teacher, 
what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. And Jesus sits down right there and right then. And it all gets quiet. And you can hear with the nuclear bomb that he drops on what they love and leaves it nothing but bubble. You see those magnificent buildings? I tell you the truth. Not one stone will be left on another. And so with this, this hot breath, this nuclear word. Jesus turns to rubble. Every earthly thing that we treasure and just crumbles it to fine dust and blows it all out of our hands. Look, teacher, we say. What a magnificent nest egg and portfolio I have in my hands. This job, that I, this dream job that I wanted for so long, I finally got it. What a magnificent thing. Look at my beautiful family. Look at, these, look at these foundation stones, these big school buses that I'm putting together, all of the sacrifices, the huge sacrifices that I'm making now for a bigger and a better tomorrow for myself and for my children. I tell you, not one stone will be left on another. Did you, did you read about it this last week? I don't know if you, anybody want to raise their hand if you, if you read about this terrible tragedy. Terrible tragedy. And I mean, it, it almost sunk me. The day before Halloween in Indiana, a nine-year-old girl and her twin brothers, six-year-old brothers, were crossing the road to board their school bus. And the school bus had the flashing red lights and the stop arm extended, and a truck ignored it and ran right through it and killed them all instantly. And I think not one stone of that father's life who had to go and identify his babies was left on another. What do we have in our hands in a world like that, where the things that we hold most dear can be just ripped away from us in an instant? It's terrifying. And, and it's enough sometimes to make your heart sick and your stomach sick. And as if that were not enough, then Jesus warns us of a yet more seductive power than any earthly loves that threatens to leave us buried beneath the rubble of God's judgment. So the disciples, of course, they, they are taken back by what Jesus has just said, and their hearts are not only stopped, but palpitating pretty fiercely at this time. And of course, they ask the natural question that everybody wants to ask at such a potent word, and that's, Lord Jesus, tell us, when is this going to happen? And what will be the sign that all of this is about to take place? And how does Jesus answer? Because this is the very first word that you find printed in your worship folders. What is his answer to when Judgment Day is going to happen? He says, watch out that you not be deceived. In other words, he ignores the answer. 
He doesn't answer their questions. Jesus clearly is not interested in opening a calendar before us. He just gets doctrinal. He, he doesn't want any one of us to open up Google Calendar and then make an entry, you know, Tuesday at 9, 10 a.m., the end of the world. Jesus is not interested in that. He just is interested that we not be deceived. But deceived how and in what way? Deceived in this way. That, that something lures us and seduces us and pulls us out of the gravitational pull of our orbit around the Son of Righteousness, our Lord Jesus Christ, and puts us in the gravitational pull and in the orbit of something other than Jesus, another Christ, an anti-Christ. An anti not in the sense of against as much, but in the sense of a replacement, a substitute, a stand in Christ. And, and Jesus knows what a threat this is. And so to this question, when is going to be the end of the world? Jesus is just flagging up and down. Guys, don't even go there. Don't even go there. Just when somebody comes in my name claiming I am he, literally claiming I am. I am the great I am. Don't believe it. Don't buy into it. Don't be seduced by the lie. And Jesus, he's, he has us pegged. He knows that this is a very important word for us to hear because Jesus knows that every single one of us wants to be happy and every single one of us wants to be fulfilled and every single one of, one of us wants our lives to reach its maximum potential and we want to be the best that we can be and Jesus at the same time also knows that we're not just dumb sheep, we're dumb fish. We're dumb fish that that just are naturally seduced and longing and lusting after big, beautiful, shiny things, even big, beautiful, shiny teachings and beliefs that are deposited and delivered by sweet, smart, wonderful people with just a wink and a winning smile and who are just dripping with charisma. And this is where the spirits of Antichrist pull on us. This is where we see it. And it comes like this. It comes like this. My friends, I know that you want to be happy. I know that, that you want to be fulfilled. If you follow this method, if you adopt this diet and that financial plan, your life is going to be in order. And you are going to get most of your needs met, and you are going to be happy. You can take control of your destiny today. You can take control of your happiness right now. If you follow this method and this plan, you will reach your full potential. And you know what? God wants to get you there. He wants to help you. And I'm here to help you too. I'm here to teach you the secret. If you'll only let him. Ooh, can you feel, can you feel the pull of the spirit of Antichrist that is you? And all of this wars on us, all of this swirls around us all the time. 
Constantly we live with the threat that we are going to lose the very things that we love. Constantly we are underneath the pull, this magnetic field, and this pull of, of wanting to have something that is going to give that secret that is going to just make me happy. This is the world that we live in at this moment. And, and then, as if that were not enough, Jesus warns us that we who follow him, that we who love him and believe him, we will share his fate. And brothers and sisters, I am telling you, the resemblance is uncanny. Because in two days, Jesus would be arrested. And he would be brought before the council and before the synagogue rulers. And he would be flogged. And he would be condemned as a heretic of the doctrines of the Jewish religion. And he would, of course, be put to death. And Jesus warns, if you believe in me, if you love me, if you hold to me and to my word, you will be handed over to the local councils and synagogues, and you will be flogged. And it's this promise that, that finds fulfillment incessantly. It's even retroactive. It goes back into the Old Testament, as we see, for example, in, in men like Daniel and his friends who are standing before Nebuchadnezzar. We see it in the very disciples to whom Jesus is speaking at this moment, because sooner than they realize, they would be standing before that very same Sanhedrin, and they would be flogged. It, we see it in the Apostle Paul later on in the book of Acts, as he stands before Pilate's replacement, Festus, and then the king at the time, King Agrippa, we see it, of course, in Luther in 1521, when there he is standing before the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. We see it, you know where? Even now in 2018, in the 3,066 Christians this year that have been killed, and the 1,252 Christians that have been abducted, and the 1,033 Christian women and men who have been sexually assaulted and raped, and the 793 churches that have been attacked, and we even see it in us, this promise fulfilled even in us today. Because even though we, by God's grace, have been mercifully spared violent persecution, nevertheless, almost every day, we are hauled out before the court, the high court of public opinion. And there we are flayed. And there we are lashed with, with a bone-tipped tongue. And sometimes those bone-tipped tongues come from the very people that are closest to us who should be the first to love us and to cherish us, our own family and our own friends. And it is enough to make you just cower in your shell or hide or stay silent or, or get nasty and retaliate or, or become self-righteous, self-justifying. This is the world in which we live. This is what we have pressing down on us constantly. This is how precarious it is for each one of us and for our children, and we are on the brink of utter and total destruction. But now, now do you start to see it? Now do you start to see the glory of the treasure that God in his mercy, unbridled and undeserved mercy, has placed into our hands and our hearts 
and our mouths. It is the treasure of the salvation of all of that. In our hearts and in our hands and in our minds and in our mouths is the sure foundation of eternal life and perfect peace and protection, a sure foundation that can never be swept from us, that we can never be pushed out of. In our hands and in our hearts and in our mouths is a mighty, mighty fortress where God lives in the middle and it is the perfect protection and defense from everything that would ruin us. What we hold in our hands this day by the grace and the mercy and the just the absolute direction and rule of Christ our King is the holy word of God with Christ Jesus, that crown jewel centered in the very crown and all of the jewels of God's doctrine just shining on it. And guys, it is glorious and I can't contain myself anymore. What a massive treasure. What a magnificent thing has been placed into us, and we get to catch it at just the right time. Would you look at this with me? Because we, at this moment, have the up. We're catching it at just this moment when the sun of righteousness is alighting upon this treasure that we hold in our hands. Listen to me. Listen to me. By God's grace and through the work of Martin Luther and the Reformation, you know something about the word that you are reading this morning. You know that in two days' time, Jesus would be given over into the hands of the governors and into the hands of those officials, and that he, the Son of God, would be brought to trial, but not just before governors and kings, but also before the very throne of God. And, and the judgment of God would rain down on his holy soul and body and leave it in ruins so that not one stone would be left on another. And thanks be to God, you know why that happened to him. Because all along, he was holding on to the thing that was most precious and valuable to him, the one indispensable, the one thing that he loved more than anything else, and he simply could not live without you and your life, and your future were in his hands. And because he was so completely devoted and dedicated to you, he swallowed whole all of the fear and the anxiety that, that we have with us as we live in this world that is so dangerous, of all of these things that are beyond our control, and of the persecution that is beyond doubt that we must face. He swallowed it whole, and he swallowed the guilt of it whole too. And so this is the treasure that's in your hands. You have a great, great inheritance of a perfect hope and a perfect calm and a perfect peace and a perfect strength. Because despite our best preparations, the next earthquake is coming. The next hurricane is coming. Despite our best precautions, the next illness is coming. The next, the next disaster and accident. But no matter, we will not fear. We will not fear, though the earth gives way and the, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, because in a world like that where everything can be snatched away from us, we hold in our hands and in our hearts the one thing that can never be taken away from us. We have Jesus. We have Jesus. And we have 
everything. And, and just look at this gleaming thing. Because by God's grace and through the Lutheran Reformation, you know who Jesus Christ is. He is true God and true man in one beautiful, perfect Savior. And that means he is, you know who? He's the anti-sinner. The anti-sinner. The substitute, stand-in, replacement sinner for all sinners, for you and for me. And because he held on to his strong love for us to the very end, the infinite forgiveness that is contained in the body and blood of God's one and only Son, the infinite and inexhaustible forgiveness is yours and it is mine. Because, yes, it is true that we fall to, to the way that the, the world seduces us and, and the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist seduces us to replace anything for Christ. But Jesus' blood covers you. His blood covers you. And that means you are justified before God. You are as innocent as the day is long before the most high God of the universe. You are not counted a sinner, but counted the opposite, righteous. Perfectly, completely, and totally righteous. And you, body and soul, head to toe, inside and out, have been redeemed and have been reconciled to the most high God. And so in your hands, right now, and by God's mercy forever and ever, is the treasure of a perfect peace and an eternal life of happiness with the Lord himself, and you have awesome power at this moment to do something incredible, to do something astonishing and amazing, beyond amazing. You have the power to pull away from the gravitational pull of the spirit of Antichrist and to continue in your orbit around the Son of Righteousness, living for him, loving him, serving him and your neighbor all the days of your life, until the day when the Lord Jesus himself comes and he snips away the gravitational pull that is keeping you here in this world, and you fly to him and live with him forever. That is, <laughs> that is your treasure. That is your treasure and mine. And my children are children who sang the church is one foundation. So there he stood. <laughs> this miner's son. A miner's son, interestingly enough, who had unearthed and excavated the holy treasure of holy treasures. <laughs> the knowledge that he stood innocent before God, not by anything in himself, but all by what God had done for him in Jesus and the faith that was given to him in the Holy Scriptures alone. And those authorities, I mean, there he stood, and the, and the treasure was actually gleaming before him because, because, you know, it was like right on this table embedded in all of his writings that proclaimed, that preached, that wanted to just give away this treasure so that everybody could go to heaven. And the authorities, they were not interested really in giving him a legitimate trial. I mean, they did not want to give him an opportunity to argue his case. They just wanted to hear one word come out of that man's mouth. You know what it was? Revoco. I recant. I take it back. But see, he couldn't and he wouldn't because he had fallen in love and had treasured 
the gospel more than anything else, and, he, and it captivated him. It held his heart absolutely captive, and he said so. My conscience, my heart is captive to the word of God. I will not recant. I cannot recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. May you and I love that treasure just like that. May you and I hold on to the golden gospel that is in our hands that shines so much brighter than a 200-foot high church gleaming in the sun. May we study this treasure. Oh, study it. And may we support it in every way that, that is called for us to support this treasure. And then with that tight grip on our hands, may we hold it out. Hold it out for all to see so that its light goes from age to age. And we take part in God's mission of bringing salvation to the world.